0: Yeah. Why is it so hot? It's so hot here. Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports bettor. This is episode 9, Wednesday evening, October 3rd, and we're coming off our best weekend of the entire season so far, going up 8.45 units in college football week 5 and up 14.665 units in NFL week four. That's over 23 units of profit over the weekend, and we've now had five straight winning weeks to start the football season, and there have only been five weeks of football season. I think every play or Lee and I gave it on the pod last week, one, maybe, I guess maybe one or two lost. I don't know. But either way, it was an incredible week. We even middled a few games like Ohio State and Penn State and the Chiefs and the Broncos game. So it was it was great, but we also have to keep in mind that this is unsustainable to keep winning at this rate. If you're listening to this pod thinking you're going to get all winners, it's just not going to work out that way. Just kidding. We're going to keep on winning, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. On this episode, I'll start with some quick hitters. Then I'll give you my thoughts about the federal hearing on sports betting that happened last Thursday. And then we will get to our interview with Zizzle Bizzle, a finance guy who is interested in the number side of things. And quickly, congrats to Zizzle Bizzle for being the first Doggy Juice Challenge winner last week. He went 5-0 and on his picks and won the $25 Venmo prize. I actually already had him lined up to be a guest on the show this week, and then he went out and won 5-0 on his picks, so that worked out very well. Just a reminder, every Thursday afternoon, I will post the NFL Super Contest lines for the Super Contest version that I play in. All you have to do is just send me your picks, your top five plays against the spread, according to those lines. If you go 5-0, then you win $25 on Venmo. If more than one guy does it, then I will use your Monday night total score, Monday night football total score tiebreaker to settle it. So congrats to Zizzle Bizzle. Next week it could be anyone else. And, yeah, that's it. All right, time for some quick hitters. Yeah, buddy. So unless you've been living under a rock for the past few days, you are aware that the Cubs completed an epic choke job earlier in the week, losing back-to-back games at Wrigley Field, and when they only had to win one just to get to the division series. But in reality, they really blew it over the past month. They, they squandered a pretty comfortable NL Central lead. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fatigue down the stretch, all those early season postponements. Piled up on the Cubs, and they played in something like 42. They played 42 of the last 44 or 43 days of the season. They really had no time off. And obviously, Rizzo poked fun at it by staying in his uniform on that overnight flight to to Washington, D.C., before flying right back to Chicago the next day. This team was tired down the stretch, and it showed, but there's also a stat that surfaced earlier this week or at least I was made aware of it earlier this week, that the Cubs scored zero or one runs in 39 games this year. And when you look at, I mean, that's staggering. When you look at the other teams in the top five on that list, it's not good. They're just one behind the historically bad Baltimore Orioles, and the other teams on the list are, none of them are playoff teams. They're all bottom feeders. So that was an eye-popping stat to look at. Um, It's tough to gauge what the Cubs need to do moving forward. I mean, they, they did win 95 games this year, and I mean, but when they did win games, it was by so many runs, and that really skewed their, their statistics. But I think moving forward, they just need to tweak things a little bit. They still have starting pitching intact. Definitely have to address the bullpen and probably get another bat or two, just mix things up. But they need to figure out a way to stay fresh down the stretch and don't blow a lead like that. That was epic, but I'm very happy for the Milwaukee Brewers fans. NFL sports books getting cited. Last week, you could have got, depending on when you bet, but if you were aware and on top of it, you could have been on the L.A. Rams at minus 6.5 and, and the Minnesota Vikings at plus 7.5 on the Thursday night football game. That game landed 7, and you could have won both bets. Similarly, on Monday night football, you could have done the exact same thing. The, Do- the Denver Broncos were at home. And they opened up about four and a half. That line got up to plus five and a half. And I gave it on the podcast last week. I was on plus five. But then it dipped back down. A lot of sharp money came in on Monday during the day. And you actually could have got Kansas City minus three and a half in that spot. A lot of people did. The public got in at minus three and a half, minus four before the game started. The game landed four. If you would have gotten on both sides, you could have won both bets. So the books got sided. It was a rough one for them. But that's just how it goes, and there, that happened. So if you're on top of the market, this just this is another ex- exercise that shows that every single point matters, and that's another reason to shop lines and, even more importantly, have more than one out. If you're only betting on one, with one out or one website or one sports book, you are doing yourself a disservice. Remember that Doggy Juice 10 commandment, the third one, have multiple outs because you've got to find the best number, and this week was a perfect example of that. In terms of the NFL rules, there was no change in the law of the NFL last week, but there was a conference call with the competition committee last week. And at that conference call, at least my, what I've heard during that conference call, they did address the roughing the passer rules, and which they've been calling, you know, they were calling very, very liberally in the first few weeks of the season. You didn't see as many of those calls this past week, so I'm pretty sure there was a league memo out there, and they pretty much told the refs, hey. You know, don't call this as liberally. Be a a little more reasonable with it. Um, We'll see if that's just a one-week thing, but that was interesting when I found out that they actually had that conference call. (coughs) A few interesting NFL takeaways. Adam Schefter, Schefter, had a tweet that so far this year, there have been 12 quarterbacks who have thrown for at least 400 yards in a game which is the most in NFL history through the first four weeks of a season. And on top of that, there were five individual 400-yard passing performances this past weekend, which is the most in a single week in NFL history. So for Bears fans, it was great what we saw with Mitch Trubisky throwing the six tutties and dominating the Tampa Bay Bucks. but I think every fan has to just slow your roll a little bit. If you watch the tape from the game again, there are multiple guys open for the Bears on every play. And the Bucs' secondary was and is a complete mess. So let's wait to see Trubisky do that to non-bottom three defenses before we overreact to that. At the same time, it was very encouraging to see him perform so confidently and, and go out there and just throw teddies all day. So that's a good thing, but we, always, we have to you know, keep things in perspective and not be a prisoner of the moment. An unbelievably terrible coaching decision by Frank Reich the new Colts coach. And I, I respect the only losers tie mentality, but when you're trying to be the anti Chuck Pagano and not be criminally conservative with your play call, with your play calling, you have to realize what the hell you're doing. And when they went for it on fourth down there in overtime, they have to know the situation. If you screw up that play, you're almost assuredly giving yourself a loss. Like the, the Texans just needed to, you know, just one boom, just one out pass to Deandre Hopkins in their field goal range. So the Colts going for it on fourth down there in short, they that was just a terrible call. And not only hindsight 2020 at the moment, everyone that at least understands the game analytically understands that that was just a terrible risk-reward situation going for it there. I mean, you have to respect you know the aggressiveness, but at the same time, the risk-reward did not add up at all there, and they lost instead of tying. And that might end up costing them later in the season. Some interesting stats, and I found these on Onside Sports online, and some of it was also covered on a Veasan show that I was watching. The worst teams in the NFL on third down so far this year, in order, are the Bills, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, Cardinals, and Dolphins. And the Bills especially jump off the page with an, only a 24.1 conversion rate on third down, and they have an average of 9.3 yards to go on their third downs compared to 7.9 yards to go for the Seahawks, who are second. And in contrast, you'd be surprised that the number one team in third down conversion rates is the Indianapolis Colts at 51.6%, and the Chiefs, not surprisingly, are next at 50%, followed by the Rams, Falcons, and Bengals. It'll be interesting to see how the Colts regress here, and I especially I think they will with their tough matchup tomorrow night in New England. Interestingly, the Bears have been more successful in, on early downs, right near the top with the Raiders, uh, least amount of yards to go on third down, at about 5.6 yards, but they only have a 41.2 conversion rate on third downs. The Raiders have it a little bit worse, their, their rate, but this is all interesting food for thought. On defense, the Cincinnati Bengals have given up the highest rate of conversions on third downs—five point eight yards to go on average—and a fifty-seven point four percent conversion rate. That's a pretty crazy skew there. Interesting. Also, interestingly, the Chiefs' defense, for how bad they are, especially on the run, they give up—they have eight point two yards to go on average on third downs when they're on defense, and the opponents are only converting twenty-five percent of the time. At least that was before Monday night's games. So I think the stats have changed before then. I don't have up-to-date ones, but I think that one's definitely bound to change. Um, another interesting little line of stats is first half and second half against the spread statistics. For first half against the spread, there are no teams that are unblemished there, but in second halves, the Ravens are 4-0 and against the spread, but the Steelers are 0-4 against the spread in the second half. And the Chargers are also 0-4 in the, in the second half against the spread, and the Jaguars are 3 at 1. So I think a big reason for that is coaching, uh, coaching decisions and adjustments made at halftime. That's a big reason why. But, again, that's only we have a four-week sample size on those. But first half and second half over-under splits, another interesting one. The overs, let's see, 4-0 and to the overs in the first half are the Ravens, the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Bucks, whereas the Cardinals and the Dolphins are 4-0 in first half unders, and the Titans are 3-1 to the under in the first half. For the second half, the Cardinals are 3-0-1 to the under. The Rams are 4-0 to the under in the second half, which, you know, running out the clock with the lead, that makes sense. Saints, 4-0 to the over in the second half, and the Redskins are 3-0. Remember, they've only... They've had a bye week already, so they've only played three games, but they're 3-0 to the under in the second half as well. Those are interesting statistics that can help you out moving forward. I, small sample size, but when you're trying to do derivative betting, first and second halves, it's good to know these trends moving forward just so you can you can adjust accordingly. Moving forward now, it's time to have a little legal perspective on the federal hearing that went down last Thursday in Washington, D.C. So by this point, most if not all of you listeners know that I'm an attorney and I'm very interested in sports law. It's kind of why I started this podcast in the first place. So naturally, I've been following the legalization of sports betting and everything that goes with it very closely. These are very exciting times since the Supreme Court decision back in May to overturn PASPA. And last week, last Thursday, September 27th, there was a federal hearing on sports betting in Washington, D.C. A U.S. House of Representatives subcommittee gathered, and the meeting was called Post-PASPA, an Examination of Sports Betting in America. And I watched the entire thing, and you can too if you just YouTube it. Now let me start by just really quickly saying this. Lawmakers have to cover a lot of stuff. Like in the same week, these same individuals, these same congressmen and congresswomen, may have had to have a, a hearing on terrorism or health care or something that's much more important, arguably, and something that they need to be informed on. So they have to know a lot of stuff. They have to cover a lot of things. But having said that, when you watch this, or at least when I watched it, how unbelievably uninformed and archaic the way of the thinking was for some of these lawmakers was just it it was jaw dropping to me and that's been the case throughout this entire process since may as lawmakers have come out against sports betting it's it's grounded in and it's hard to explain but it's like a it's like a puritan anti gambling betting is bad type of mindset like these old relic lawmakers that are these old geezers have this way of thinking it's it's like a it's very stone age thinking, I guess is the way I, I could explain it, but the rest of the world does it Europe, Australia, everywhere else Asia sports betting's legal and they, they have no problems or very few problems. but here we have a thriving underground market, a thriving illegal sports betting market it's always been that way, and yet these guys can't see the light and understand that. Hey, it's already going on. Might as well tax it. But no, no, no. If, if we're going to legalize it, everyone's going to become a problem gambler. It's just, it's unbelievable the way the thinking goes down. And I've I had some big problems when I was watching the, the panel of some of the speakers, what they're saying was just, just had my jaw dropping the entire time. And perhaps it's just the libertarian free market guy in me. But if you don't like betting, then just don't bet. Like, why prevent others from choosing how to spend their own money? And especially when you look at the state lotteries and the ridiculous odds that are offered in those, it's incredibly hypocritical to think that a lottery where you have basically 0% chance of winning and people are spending their hard-earned money on those lottery tickets thinking they have a chance to win is better than allowing sports gambling on a sporting event where there's low limits and everything's regulated. It just doesn't make sense to me and preventing people to, spend, to choose how to spend their own money, I, that, that actually like angers me. A couple of the panelists kept alluding to the possibility for problem gamblers and how legalized gambling will prey on working folks who can't make ends meet. And while gambling responsibly is something that should be taken very seriously, I'll definitely acknowledge that. One, who are these lawmakers to tell people how to spend their money? Like, I don't go into their house and tell them how to spend or invest their money or what to spend their money on for their entertainment. Two, these lawmakers, they think that the people that they're worried about being victimized by legalized gambling, they can already find a way to bet illegally right now, and many of them already do. And if they can't bet, then there are plenty of other ways for them to be a degenerate and lose their money with some other vice. And where where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line on gambling? Three, With this flawed reasoning, we should just ban alcohol, cigarettes, porn, you name it, because God forbid someone can abuse it, but the select few who do abuse it should ruin it for the vast majority of everyone else who do it responsibly. Four, legalized gambling can actually serve to only help put more safeguards in place and regulate everything. I tell people, look no further than the state of Nevada. They've been doing this for decades They know what they're doing. They have a system in place that works, and they have very few problems. If there are issues with strange betting activity or or unusual betting activity, they pick up on that right away because they have the safeguards in place. They communicate. The books communicate with one another. They have advanced algorithms to look at betting movement, betting activity. So if any outliers come into play, they can investigate it right away. And there's this notion that if we allowed legalized gambling state by state, then players are all of a sudden going to be motivated to throw games or refs to call a bad game. That is utter bullshit. Because, first of all, when we're talking about professional players, the risk reward in just making a little bit of money and sacrificing your entire future it just does not add up. But more importantly, there's limits on these bets. And since books talk to each other, they're, if you're going to throw down a lot of money on a game, they're going to ask for your ID. If you're trying to bet anything, that's more than the limit. And if you're trying to get down more money, they're going, to under, they're going to see what's going on. They're going to move the line accordingly. They have advanced algorithms in place to an advanced technology and cooperation among the systems already in place to prevent this stuff from happening. Like when the Tim Donahue situation happened, the Vegas odds makers picked up on it. Um, when there's other crazy line moves or match fixing issues that stuff's picked up on because of irregularities in the betting patterns so just to think that refs are going to throw games or players are going to throw games when it's it's impossible to get down uh, for the limits involved for the limits that you can get down on to make it worthwhile it's just not it's not existent and it frustrates me to think that just, just blindly these uninformed lawmakers that oh, a player is going to throw a game now because they can just go bet on it. No, it's not that simple at all. Most sports books ask for IDs or when you're placing a bet, they know who you are when it's legal. And when it's illegal, that's when you actually can get it done because everything's less regulated. So it's actually their, their argument is actually counter to the point they're trying to make. And it's, it's very frustrating. Um, Another thing is live betting. Some of the panelists don't support the idea of live betting. they only want brick-and-mortar betting. But that just shows how unbelievably uneducated they are in this because live betting and online betting is the way of the future. If you look at Europe, that's the overwhelming majority of, of the betting that goes down. It's, it's online, and, and that's the way it's going to be here in the future. If you don't think the future of sports betting is, is mobile-based and online, then you are kidding yourself and you should not be deciding the law on something that is important to people that actually do care about it. Be informed, and if you don't agree with sports betting, at least know what you're talking about. I'm going to be covering this quite a bit in the future, in, in future episodes. There's a hearing in October later this month um, in Illinois, and it's going to probably touch on some of the similar issues that the the federal one touched on. But right now, Congress, the federal US Congress is looking to set up a federal framework for sports betting. Um, They're looking at doing it. They may or may not choose to. But right now, it's a very, uh, we're we're at a crossroads, I guess is the best way to put it federally, while states decide whether or not they want to actually institute it. And I'm happy to answer any questions that people do have about this. I'm, I'm trying to keep up on top of it. But this is an ongoing thing. It's going to be very interesting to see where things go but it's also very frustrating to see how uninformed some of these lawmakers are so i'll get off my soapbox now though we have a new guest for this week on the doggy juice pod um he doesn't really need an introduction but he's the first winner of the doggy juice challenge and here it is the interview with zizzle bizzle hey 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 hello we are here with the zizzle bizzle who happens to be the first doggy juice challenge winner and this worked out pretty well because i was going to bring you on this week anyway for the podcast and you just happened to go five and zero and win that money so here we are
1: you know i'm happy to be here yeah you know you told me to pick five winners that's what i did i, I don't know why more people didn't do the same thing
0: I know. It was only that easy. It was actually like you're the only one of the people, and there's not many people that enter, but put it that way, about a dozen people, and you're the only one who actually put their picks out in the public, on the public domain, on Twitter. So I feel like that was good karma that you won because you were willing to back it up and put it out there.
1: You know, I didn't want anyone uh, accusing me of cheating, so <laughs> keep me honest, right?
0: There's zero collusion going on there. Zero. So how are you going to spend that 25 bucks? You just got to buy diapers for your, for your kids?
1: Um, I mean, th- that would be ideal. I'm, I'm an old man and not good with technology, so there's like a 90% chance I never figure out how to get that off of Venmo. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate it, but it might just sit there
0: for a few years. It'll be there until your next, like, buy-in for something, like some kind of like nice madness tool.
1: Exactly. It'll,
0: it'll, it'll be there. And maybe you'll forget about it, and it'll sit there, and you'll be like, oh, remember I won that. Or maybe you'll just win again next week, and you'll really have to figure out how to get the money out either way uh congrats man i'm glad to have you on here the first guest danimal last week was a a real hit and and i think uh bringing you on too brings an added perspective because Danimal's kind of an outlier as we know but uh yeah
1: i've been enjoying listening to the show so i'm happy to be on
0: yeah i'm happy to have you on and um really quickly before we jump in um how did you make those picks last week did you just like go with your gut or do you look at the at the lines like the line movement and some of the some of the websites or listen to the doggy juice pod take tips from that or what do you do
1: um i mean a lot of it was gut combined with you know some some advice from the doggy juice pod um i I had rams minus six and a half i know you you, you you're big on vikings plus seven and a half so we're able to kind of uh you know figure that one but yeah i'm Believe in what the Rams are doing. That team looks really good this year. So when I saw a touchdown, I like that. Um, big fan of taking home dogs. I think I had a couple of those in there. And and then yeah, I, I just didn't believe in the uh, the Fitz magic hype going against yeah. that Bears defense. So I I, I thought that one was a, a, a likely outcome for the Bears to cover there.
0: Those were good calls. You ended up going five and zero oh with that Monday night cover. Obviously, it was plus five and a half on that. Um, the line actually closed three and a half or four, depending on where you shop. But that's a good look, man. I actually went five and zero on the Super Contest as well, which is great. And the actual thing I do, I think I'm gonna get like a like a like a thirty dollar payout because you split it with everybody else that went five and zero. But it's good to it's good to do it. It's rare to do a five and zero week because let's be real, like at best you're you're almost flipping a coin. So.
1: I mean, that's my expectation at this point. So I'm just, you know, I'm assuming I'm going to do it every week going on. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, that's what, Usually, like, there's two to three per week where you feel kind of good about. But then the extra, you know, one or two that you got to pick to make, you just got to do five picks. And there's only, you know, especially during these bye weeks, you're getting, like, 14 games. And you're just literally looking for anything that's over 50% at that point because some of those, like, that extra pick or two that you're not sure about, you're just kind of just throwing it out there. Well, and I laughed. Because I haven't, you know, I, I haven't done
1: actual sports betting in a, a couple of years now. Um, you know, unlike Danimal last week, I, uh, I I recognized that I didn't have an edge and stopped doing instead of just continuing to donate my money.
0: <laughs> You're um, smart. <laughs> and,
1: and and the first doggy juice challenge, you know, I had, uh, you know, I was betting on that Browns game. I forgot what the exact line was, but uh, when they brought Baker in, and the Browns like covered by like a half point, I was just. This 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 is the sixty percent that Roselli was talking about, where it's just, you know, super frustrating to feel like you did everything right. Uh and just watch your, your spread lose by a half point.
0: Yeah, that's tough. Losing by the hook is really difficult. But uh it's a good showing, man. So I was actually gonna that's gonna be my next question about what your thoughts are on sports betting in general. And I know you're a big numbers guy, you work in finance world, but you were smart enough earlier on. I think maybe I don't know if this is correlated to the fact that you got married and started a family, but kind of got out of the, the actual day-to-day sports betting game. But I know you're still very much interested interested in it. And that's like, um, and I want to hear your, your point of view here in a sec, but I feel like when you look at Vegas and all the lines involved with sports betting, you gain a better understanding of the sport itself. Like you don't have to bet to be into to line moves and,
1: all that stuff you know what i mean yeah i mean the, the the analytics behind it certainly interests me and you know i i think you you know you've compared it to uh the stock market and whatnot where it's just like there are inefficiencies that can be exploited and to me, that I, you know, there's a lot of interest in that. I also recognize that, you know, I don't have the skill to exploit those inefficiencies. But, you know, I, I appreciate the people that do. So, you know, five and zero. You know There's a slippery slope, right? It's going to get me back in, and all of a sudden I'm going to have you know 30 units out on college football one Saturday and not know what I'm doing anymore.
0: Yeah, but I mean, as you know, too, being a numbers guy, like there, and I, I had to learn this the hard way. But the law, law of large numbers, I got really familiar with that very fast because it's just you're going to go through those bad streaks and those good streaks. And right now, I'm actually going through like one of the best streaks of my life. But I know it's it's unsustainable to to hit at that rate. Just like you know, it, when you're putting your money in at best at a fifty-five to sixty percent expected win rate. Gonna go through a lot of. It's like flipping a coin. You know, you can flip it, flip it ten thousand times. You're gonna end up. Getting 20 tails in a row at some point, you know, you put like 10,000 monkeys in a room and everyone's going to write Shakespeare, you
1: know. <laughs> well, and I, 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 I've been laughing as I listen to the pot, kind of like your your honesty and like, you know, intellectual approach to all the sports betting you listen to a lot of people that are giving you your picks and they're all just like, this is a 1000% lock, you absolutely have to put all your money into it. And you're no, kind of just like, like, I really like this. I think we have a 57% chance yeah. of winning. <laughs> My luck of the week
0: is 60% to win. <laughs> but, but once I like realize that that's the case, I think that's like when it, you see – you kind of see it from up above, so to speak. Like you, you just don't – you don't actually – Count on just one game to make your portfolio, or you know what I mean. You just
1: yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's an academic way to approach it, which is why I've uh, I've appreciated listening.
0: And and I think and yeah, just comparing it to the stock market, I mean, it's the same thing. You're betting against people's perception and that they're shaping the market, other people's perception. and you know you're if, if the numbers come involved, and you're once you're betting numbers and not teams, it's just like betting the stock market. And there's, there's actually a cool website. I wanted to tell you about. I actually wanted to say it on the podcast too, so I'll say it now. There's a cool website called thescorex.com. That's literally stock market a stock market for NFL teams. It's new and it's it kind of uses the wisdom of the crowds and people buy and sell stocks on NFL teams in real time as the games are going on. So like if you're you know the Bears are playing the Buccaneers on Sunday, the, they're blowing about in the first half the bears price was obviously soaring and the bucks price was, was falling and you could actually like put money but so there's already websites that exist that actually literally make it a stock market where teams are the stocks so.
1: that's interesting i'll have to check that out yeah i know uh a couple of years ago they basically were doing like ipo with player contracts um yep. Where you know you could buy in and kind of allow the individual player to lock in some of their money up front. you were, like entitled to their future earnings somehow. I never got too into it, but yeah, I'll I'll have to check this out. Despite the last time you gave me a website with an X in the uh, domain, <laughs> I uh I, I regretted it heavily. But I'll, I'll I'll give this one a look.
0: Yeah, this one uh, one might be a little more appropriate, especially if the kids are walking around. You don't have to worry about hiding and locking the door. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. So, do you think of sports betting, like, so the legalization of sports betting in Illinois is imminent? In my, opinion. are you the type that once it's legal, do you think you'll you'll jump in? And I mean, obviously, I could see you being the type that would at least make wagers in Illinois instead of waiting to go do them in Vegas. You yeah. know, like small, smaller wagers. But do you think you would consider getting more involved um, once it's legalized in the home state?
1: Um, I mean, I may, I mean, I, I, as you would put it, I'd probably be the pizza money guy. Um, Cause I mean, it still goes back to recognizing, I, I don't think I have an edge in sports betting. Um, when I got out of it, um, I just remember having a lot of money on a lot of the games that I wasn't even watching. And I was sitting there saying, what, what am I doing? I'm just, you know, it was, it was just kind of the, the degenerate junkie ride. Um, and, and that's what got me out of it, it was just, you know, it, it felt like I was just giving my money away yeah. um, and kind of made the academic decision that, you know, I don't have an edge here, so I, I don't want to keep doing this. Um, but if, if, you know, the, the frictions of, you know, making it easier to place bets, you know, yeah, maybe maybe I'll get back in for some uh, pizza money on a couple of games.
0: Oh, there you go. There you go. I mean, you have the, that, that base, that financial base already. So, um, But when it is eventually legalized, I could foresee – I mean, obviously, it's going to be all on app-driven and online, so it will be a lot easier to do as well, which is really cool. But, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, for, for, and, and for me, you know, I think especially in Illinois, just the, the legalization and then collecting the tax revenue makes so much sense just because of how broke the state is. Um, they, they need to open up as many revenue streams as they can. So, uh, you know, I, I, I asked you some questions before about the, uh, the, the, the online poker connections to this because that's something that, you know, I, I've historically had a positive experience there. So, you know, as that opens up, I think that's probably where I'm more likely to, uh, you know, get back into the gambling scene.
0: And that, they are linked, I and mean, I know we talked about this before, The they're separate, the sports betting issue versus the poker issue, but they're also linked because one decision, the decision that, that Congress makes, uh, a federal framework for sports betting, if they even do decide to get involved, which is ongoing right now, I think that's going to have a direct impact on the poker scene as well. Um, and that's, I mean, poker's legalized in a few states as well, like New Jersey, it's been for a few years now, but... Uh, there's going to be links. So if you're a big poker fan who doesn't sports bet, definitely worth taking an interest in the ongoing sports betting saga. But it's an interesting no, time.
1: I, I, I tune in every week to hear the uh, the legal update as well. So excited to see where this
0: goes. Yeah, no, me too. It's, it's the golden era. But you're a smart guy. You realized that you know, fifty percent. Even if you're just you know flipping a coin, you're not going to win in the long run. So the only way is to find the edges and. Uh, Maybe you'll get back into it. I'm cheering for you. You know. So, uh, all right. So one thing I did want to, you're, you're a big fight fan. Um, and this weekend we got the UFC fight of the year, uh, McGregor versus Khabib. And I'm, I'm a boxing guy, so I'm more of just, I'm just a recreational guy that follows the UFC. I'm, I'm a fan of it, but I don't know that well. But tell me why, I, so my impression on this fight is that, and this is different than the McGregor versus Mayweather scenario where Mayweather that was the bet of our lifetime's betting Mayweather when it was down to less than minus four hundred. But I'm getting a similar vibe in this one where McGregor gets so much public support that it's gonna come in so much by Saturday, like why should I not look to take Khabib at minus one fifty? Right now I'm seeing about minus one sixty plus one forty is the as the line. And if it goes lower, like minus one fifty, why should I not take Khabib?
1: yeah i mean i i think your your thought process is fair um I've been a sucker of the same logic in the past. You know, I remember when McGregor fought uh Chad Mendes for the featherweight title, you know, I was sitting there being like, this is the first time he's faced a real wrestler, you know, the wrestlers just going to control him. McGregor has no ground game, and second round McGregor KOs him. You know, I thought the same thing when he fought Aldo. I'm like, he's fighting one of the all-time greats, you know, he's kind of had, you know, his opponents just handed to him. Aldo going to get the best of him 13 seconds later you know Aldo's unconscious um so while while I think you know you look at the matchup and you say you know Khabib's ground game is just that impressive and McGregor doesn't stand a chance you know part of me has learned from my past mistakes where you know I'm not going to count out Mystic Mac and you know you know precision beats power and timing beats speed and McGregor has shown quite uh, emphatically that he has good uh, precision and timing.
0: I remember you told me in the past not to look past McGregor. Like, don't uh, underestimate McGregor at all. And I think that's smart, especially when you consider the fact that he's you know, he's such an important part of, of the UFC and the MMA. I feel like, I mean, not to say that there's going to be any shenanigans involved there, but, you know, you just have to think... Anything to keep McGregor turning the money train is, uh, is a good thing for the UFC.
1: Yeah, I mean the shenanigans on that front, I think, already happened. Uh, you know, the, the, the McGregor attacking that bus was so staged and just drumming up interest for this fight, which uh, you know I've heard is somewhere between two million and three million buys. So um, that 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 bus attack, I think, was pretty choreographed, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it'll be an interesting fight, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think we're, you know I'm excited to watch it.
0: You know, the, the,
1: the, the, the I was just gonna say the, the one aspect I know that we talked about when this fight fr- was first announced was, you know, there was an arbitrage opportunity to, you know, you you, you bet uh McGregor early on knowing that the yeah. line was going to move.
0: No, I'm um, just gonna come in on him right
1: right. and then if you want to head your way out you know closer to the fight, you certainly can now you know I, as I was saying that's if you want to because I've been burned betting against McGregor and I don't I don't know if I
0: would do that again
1: uh, this weekend.
0: So what I think I would do, and I've I've heard this too, is if you're going to play that way and bet on Khabib right before the fight starts, do it in Vegas because I heard like the Irish travel like crazy. All the McGregor fans in Vegas especially, like all the offshore sites are – Elsewhere outside of Vegas, there the line doesn't move as much as it does in Vegas. It's almost like a Vegas Golden Knights thing, where everyone in the town's betting on them, so folks are forced to move the line accordingly. So I've heard that's the move if you're looking to bet anti-McGregor. Be in Vegas for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like a ten or twenty cent difference on the line from Vegas versus elsewhere.
1: But. You see, it's, it's, it's your analytics that give you that little extra edge.
0: There you go. So maybe we could book a flight to Vegas. <laughs> maybe set McGregor on the Caribbean and just enjoy the arbitrage. There you go. I wish we could do that. but So it sounds like, I mean, if, if McGregor has a chance, it's going to be maybe knocking him out um, early, you think, or hitting him with a punch instead of getting him on the ground. He wants to avoid the ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I haven't seen all the, uh the detailed lines, but, uh, yeah, I think if McGregor's going to win this fight, it's going to be by a knockout in the second or third round. Um you know I, I maybe the first you know he obviously did that to Aldo, but I, I figure he's just it's been a while since he's been in the octagon, probably going to take at least a round to kind of you know get it get his you know feel for everything back um and if it goes more than three rounds, you know I think there's a the concern that he gets gassed and kabib just takes him to the ground does what he wants with him. but um you know the, in in terms of kind of playing the lines the right way I'm sure if you Look around McGregor knockout in the second or the third. That's probably the best way to get the best value on
0: him. Best value. Interesting. All right. That's worth taking a look at. Um, and really quick too. I was reading up about Nate Diaz and his fight this weekend, but it's like not a title fight anymore. I don't know if you know anything about that, but I haven't been following too closely. But.
1: No, I, uh, so I, I don't know much on that one. I, uh, I'm not as in tune to the UFC as I should be with a, you know, I got a three-week-old daughter at home, so I haven't been able to uh, follow the the rest of the card as closely as, but uh, the Khabib Connor is easy to stay on top of.
0: Yeah, yeah, you got that handicap down. Yeah. Alright, well, that's, let's play a game, and uh, I'm actually going to play the same game with you that I, I did with Danimo last week, but it's, yeah, I was going to do something different, but let's do the Grover Cleveland game, so you find the, the $1,000 bill on the ground, but you have to bet it. So once you pick it up, you can't just put it in your pocket. You have to bet it. And I'm going to give you propositions, and you choose which side you want your, your Grover Cleveland on. So, Sounds good. First one, well, this is an easy McGregor or Khabib. And we'll do it. We'll say the Lions, how we explained it. You got 2000 on McGregor or
1: um, and I, I've seen lines with McGregor come in plus 140ish. You know, it, yeah. t- t- I, as I was listening to your game with Danimal last week, I was sitting there was just like, if pros bet numbers, you weren't given numbers on all the lines. But, uh, yeah. at the lines that I've seen, uh, you know, I, I like McGregor's chances. Um, I think. I've seen just too many times where people say his style's not favorable enough and then he proves people wrong. So with his uh, his power at that weight class, all it takes is one. And, uh, you know, if I'm getting plus money on that, I'll take that bet.
0: All right. I like that. Let's assume for the rest of them that the line is even. So there's okay. Ones. Just even. Yes or no, the White Sox make the playoffs by 2020. So including the 2020.
1: So I get two more seasons on that. Um, thousand bucks. I'll be optimistic. I'll take it. You know, I, they, they've they got a promising farm system. So hopefully that'll materialize over the next two years to at least get them into the playoffs. Um, I, I've seen them mess up with prospects before. But being a White Sox fan, yeah, I'll, I'll stay optimistic and say, yes, they will.
0: Also helps that that division is pure trash. You know, <laughs> it makes it that much easier, right? You don't have to overcome as much when at the bottom feeders in the same division as you but i mean obviously the indians will be a lot to say about that all right i I like that one what about and this is the actual this is pulled this line is actually pulled from an actual book so you can actually bet this right now if you want to do over under bowls 28 and a half season wins and actually i've seen 29 and a half so i might be tipping it off a little bit but over under Bulls 20 and a half wins
1: give me the over and this this may be my uh, bias again but uh Wendell Carr jr you know the Duke the Duke guys got a uh, got size and yeah I'll, I'll take him as being a, a good player and I'll take the over on that
0: you're smart man it's, it's been a lot of over money on that it's seen a lot of 29 and a halves now actually it's split but a lot of juice on the over so you're uh you're thinking along with the where the money's coming at least Yes or no, the Bears finish with a better record this year than Green Bay or Minnesota. Oh, give,
1: give me the yes on that. Bears are winning the Super Bowl this year. Did you see Trubisky oh, throw yeah. six touchdowns with that defense? <laughs> yeah. I'm drinking yeah. Kool-Aid, man. We're Super Bears Super Bowl. Let go.
0: You're drinking so much Bears Kool-Aid. It's hard not to after this week, though. But and You'll hear this in the pot. I'm going to bring up some numbers on the pan. It's Got to kind of slow your roll on Trubisky a little bit, just because everyone's happy about the six touchdowns. But when you see all the other pass yardage and that's going on with other quarterbacks so far, it kind of lessens the impact.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I I, that defense is so good, though. I'm a believer that if Trubisky is average, you know, the Bears are in a good spot to make a playoff run. Let alone if he's great, all he has to do is just not be bad. So hopefully, this. that week four is a sign of things to come.
0: Yeah. Like you said, Bears D right now. It's, I mean, man, it's, it's like we're getting flashbacks to 10 years ago, 12 years ago with Erlacher and Briggs and those guys. Uh, <laughs> and and like Grossman, Grossman
1: looked good some games, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he looked, he looked <laughs> right.
0: terrible others, but
1: it, he, he was offensive player of the week a few times.
0: I almost feel like if Pal Orton was on the team right now, he's that average. And no, I'm just kidding. He sucked. <laughs> but, you know, if you have just a guy, that, like you said, who doesn't make mistakes, like Orton was that guy. Granted, we you know the games changed. I think since then, and we you have to have a good passing attack to succeed today. But, um, but yeah, I agree with that completely because the Bears, every single unit they have on that team is above average to very good, except quarterback. So if they could just shore that up and you, if he could just be decent, make a run. All right, last one: the Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin? The fight right now
1: um i mean you gotta go with, like you know if that's an actual question you gotta go with the rock i mean stone cold's got neck issues the rock is just a freak of a human being you know i guess i'll, I'll throw the curveball and i'll say uh the heartbreak kid Shawn michaels comes in takes them both out you know gonna get some of that outside money on
0: that what about a uh, triple h or undertaker Dave, anything if they came in if you switched though
1: I, I, for, for the sake of any wrestling fans i just hope to keep undertaker out of the ring um you know sure if, if they make us watch that i'll take triple h but uh you know it's time for mark holloway to just hang those boots up
0: <laughs> all right well that's something i know nothing about but i'm just gonna assume that you're right there <laughs>
1: yeah you know, it's it, it's a guilty pleasure but uh you know, yeah, I'll, I'll stay on top of my WWE lines, you know. <laughs> you, you, you give me a chance to bet those and I'll get back into gambling real quick.
0: You, you can. You can bet those on Offshores so if the limits are extremely small. So obviously, I think, like, they are like hundred, a couple hundred dollar limits on those, but you absolutely
1: can. Well, I just remember uh, the WrestleMania that Undertaker lost. I saw some lines and it's just like an hour before the pay-per-view they swing, like, dramatically because, you know, stable, no shit. Yeah. right, so, someone gets the script and all of a sudden and, you know, so yeah, if I, if I could bet in a way that wasn't uh, so easily influenced, I would be all over it. <laughs> fair
0: enough. And it's kind of like those like award, award shows and stuff, or like the Academy Awards. When you see that steam just come in, people know, they, like, yeah. they say, like 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 or, or like the Super Bowl prop on um, the color of the Gatorade. Also, do you see like the blue Gatorades minus five hundred? Obviously, yeah. it's a blue Gatorade <laughs> because someone's betting with, with the knowledge, but it's impossible to get down for any substantial amount of money or even decent amount of money on that because, obviously, the limits, and they know know the people now, so I'll usually take it off the board at that point. Anyway. All right, man. Well, uh, this has been a good talk. Actually, shoot. it five minutes almost, so it's uh, for me. Just good, good, good
1: you, on. you know, it was, it was a pleasure to be on. Sorry for, you know, so much time. Good. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to continue listening.
0: Yeah, man. And we'll hopefully bring you on again sometime in the future. We can delve more into the analytics side. I definitely wanted to – one thing I did want to share with you is or talk about that we could talk about next time is, like, more about how I do the numbers and stuff. But I guess we'll have to wait for another time. But just my biggest stat that I use, I wanted to bring this out. At least unveil the curtain a little bit is the key stat for football yards per play. If you look that way, that will usually get you to where you want to go. That's the stat that, at least from my understanding, the sharp, the odds makers in Vegas and the sharps use yards per play stat. That does not that stat does not lie. If you look at total yardage, sometimes those stats lie, but yards per play.
1: A little peek into how the sausage is made. I look forward to hearing a few more.
0: Hey, all right dude it was good uh it's good talking to you thanks for joining and congrats on winning the doggy juice challenge
1: thank you i'll do it again this week
0: sure you will all right man good luck
1: thank you take care right, Bye
0: okay well that will do it for this episode of the doggy juice pod really quickly in terms of look-aheads for the weekend there's really not much this week that's jumping off the page. It's an ugly-looking card right now for me in college football and the NFL. But as always, that can change. The market can open up opportunities as the week goes on. I'll be back on Saturday with any plays and leans that I may have for the weekend action. Right now, I'm actually taking a look at my Iowa Hawkeyes, not to be a homer because I am a Hawkeye, but laying less than a touchdown against Minnesota is not bad in this spot. Minnesota has a lot of cluster injuries and it's a good spot for the Hawkeyes coming off the bye, so I may be taking a look there. haven't locked anything in yet. Um, Also, Virginia Tech hosting Notre Dame. That's going to be a tough one. I've been playing on Notre Dame recently, but Virginia Tech getting all those points in Blacksburg with Enter Sandman playing before the game, that's going to be a crazy atmosphere there, so might be taking a look at that one as well. Otherwise, we have hockey starting tonight. I don't really... Uh, I don't want to say I don't care, but hockey's definitely far from my forte. But the Maple Leafs are your favorite to win it all at 8-1. to one. Blackhawks are 40-1. to one. I think we're seeing the door shut on that Blackhawks window. For me, I kind of like uh, San Jose. Actually, I just wanted to say that because I wanted to sound like Barry Melrose. But anyway, hope you all enjoyed the episode, and I will see you on Saturday for the next episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Doggy Juice, out.